Hi and welcome to another episode of Wine and Wisdom. I'm Thomas Lehuang and you're listening to the TL podcast where knowledge is shared and no one takes themselves too seriously. Oh, we've got a, we're even early two minutes this week. Far wow, yeah. Well, we can uh, we can say hello. We can say, we can say hello. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Hi. We're live. Chris is still working out his wine, trying to. I just want to try and work out what the last grape is. I've never heard of it before. Stephen might know us. Stephen. Carignan or whatever, you, however you say it. <laughs> Different type of grape. Mine was just quite simple. Uh, it's, a, oh, it's a Spanish origin. Anyway, good. Commonly found in France, but Spanish origin. Grows well south of France. Obviously Spain. Yeah, good. Cool. Yeah, I know. I'm so much more educated now. Fantastic. Very Amazing. Good. How are you guys? Hey, mate. How you doing? Wonderful. Hey, energy's, a little bit, little, energy's a little bit down. This crappy weather we're having. What? I think, I think the... Don't tell me it's all bells and whistles up there at Port Macquarie. You sunshine. Always, always bells and whistles and sunshine up here. Oh uh, man, we've had we've had torrential rain down here this afternoon. Seriously. Oh, did you? Oh god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did have a hailstorm yesterday, though. We did have okay. a hailstorm yesterday, so it's not always bells and whistles. The Florida's copying it. We've got a special guest. Oh, we yes. do, Mr. Thompson. Mr. Thompson. Hello. I don't Steve know. Thompson. Actual, but anyway, thanks. Thanks. That was very in depth. Stephen, hello. Yep, hello. I feel like a news reporter, and tonight's news. <laughs> unfortunately, we're missing our mate Cam. He's um, it's not a not a happy day for him. Unfortunately, he's a couple of his mates had to go attend the funerals and so forth. But uh, uh, we wish you the best, Cam. We're thinking of your mate. Hard time. Mm-hmm. Um, we, wish you, we wish you sad times. Okay, yeah, sad times. So you can get over them, mate. Yeah, absolutely. Mourn, mourn your friends and remember them. Remember the good times. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, news. What's what? So we have we have uh, our, our young man Stephen Thompson to stand in. Um, yes, and he's uh, way way more professional. I guarantee you, they won't be a swear word. So I think the quality yeah. of the podcast already up. Definitely yeah. swear words. <laughs> oh, yeah, right? yeah, I'm great. Thank you. I'm great. I, I got I got a list of the rules. They said I had to swear. I had to cut people off, and I just had to treat Chris like crap. Um, yeah, yeah, done. I thought all in a day's work. That'll be easy. Just like my wife. I can fill in for Cam. It's easy. <laughs> it, it's a funny thing when people do a, do a show. You know, they they think that um, in real life you don't cut people off. But I, I've been checking out uh, every single time I talk to people. The number of people who just cut me off is just crazy. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And then yet, as soon as they start something like this, apparently there's other rules. Like you have to become a robot. You know, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, so what's in the news? Uh, actually, first we start with the wine. This wine. this week we were doing something special: French wine. It had to be red. It had to be 2017. So just very easy. <laughs> yeah, 2017 is not a very good year because it it rained a lot that year. So, <laughs> so we've learnt. <laughs> oh. Let's have a look. Let's have a look. All right. Yeah. Uh, let's start with our guest first. Which one have you got, Stephen? This one, it's called a Chapelle de Pontesac, which, de Pontesac, which it's 2017. 
Um, it's a mix of 72% Merlot, 21% Cav Sav, and 7% Cabernet Franc. So um, it was quite well regarded by all the degustation tasting notes from some good people there. So it seems to have stood up okay. And um, it comes from a, a, a nice part of France, which made it even better because I traveled. What's the nice part? What's I don't nice remember part? where the nice part is now. Very, very close to Spain, very close to Spain. Yeah, I wrote, I, I wrote down where it was and I can't see which sheet I've written it on. So I've lost that one. Yeah. <laughs> Can't see it and probably can't say it either. So, <laughs> well, that was the trouble. I had enough with pomp and sack. I'm hoping that was very, my very French accent pulled that off. Okay. So, it, it, it's, it's funny. It's funny when you have guests, you know, you look at them, the way that they study the wine. We just go, it's red. Yeah. And, and it's 2017, mate. <laughs> Glass bottle. So. Yeah, but that's the trouble. Last, last time I was on, I think I got accused of being a, um, very tight person because I didn't spend enough and I didn't study my wine. So the day I actually, that's because the person I was on for last time who roused on me is not here. So anyway, <laughs> it was good to know though. I thought it was interesting because, you know, you rock into a shop and buy something. It's nice then to check it out after and go, yeah, actually there's four pages of tasting notes on this. It can't be too mm -hmm. bad a wine. So, wow. Yeah. Must be a well, good yeah. We all know, we all know he's not here, so we can just give him a lot of crap. Uh, he, he's a bully and, <laughs> and he would do anything. He would do anything to have a better bottle than anybody else. So Steve, <laughs> you don't have to believe everything he said. <laughs> okay, so Lou, what about your bottle? Okay, so this is a Pinot Noir, um, 2017, of course. Yeah. Um, I tried to call it Alsace, but apparently it's Alsace. So. Alsace, yep. Yeah, so um, apparently a cold part of France, so hopefully it should be a good one. Um, and it's in a glass bottle and it's 2017 and it's red. <laughs> it should be nice, should be a nice one too, yeah. Yeah. I felt quite special when you said like French red, I knew exactly where they were in Dan Murphy's. So I've walked in Dan Murphy's and they're renovating, so all their bottles were all over the place. So oh. I was looking and looking and I finally found one. And I, I wasn't. I looked for about ten minutes. I stupid me. I should have asked for someone. But anyway, uh, two thousand and seventeen. Gerard uh, Bertrand. Uh, same brand I had on last week with the uh, rosé that we had to buy. Um, same, same, um, same, same company. Uh, this is a south of France. It's a, a Shiraz and a grape that was founded in Spain, but grows a lot in France in the warmer climate. Um, and it's red and it's 17, so we'll see how it goes. Yeah. And then, and then I have a Côte du Rhône, 2017. So you can see the, the year, Côte du Rhône. Yeah, a Grigo, which is a big, big house that started a year after the Second World War. Mm -hmm. And they gradually bought everything from that region, from Lyon in the center of uh, France and start going down south. And uh, not this bottle, uh, you had to spend way more, but they actually have that region called Hermitage, which all the masters some reckon that that's where the best wine comes from. Mm. Like, so not this bottle, but <laughs> some of the lots they have. Wow. So let, let's, let's try our, our wine and then we, let's see where we at. For our listeners, uh, this week, Vivino says that uh, Stephen Thompson's bottle is the best. Wow. There you go. 
Were you in budget or did you blow that? I was told there was no budget. Oh, so Cam told you that too. Yeah, something like $200 probably. Yeah. Wait. No, it wasn't. It was from Dan Murphy's. I don't think they have $200 there. Wow, mate, you're looking in the wrong place then. <laughs> no, well, I'm in Richmond, so you have to understand. <laughs> mm. All right, so where are we at? What have we got? What's happening in the news? What's happening in the news this week? I mean, uh, I have to be honest, I haven't watched a whole lot. All I've heard is Optus, 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 and how they've let all these people down with the data breach. So what else is happening? Anything more interesting than that? Yeah, I think something's happening right now in, in, in America with, with the, uh, the uh, hurricane, Ian. Uh, I think that's pretty bad. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we all know uh, when, when water comes in, yeah, you have no chance. Mm -hmm. And but right now they have not only water but but also um, wind. So two yeah. things going against them. It's uh, it's pretty bad. So that to me it's a big news. Uh, what are they saying? Like category what in terms of hurricane? It, uh, it, first it started at four, so it's now at two. Mm, okay. But but you'd be amazed. Like you have properties and you can see clearly a pool, and now you don't even see the pool, nor the paved area, nothing all around, and it's pretty. And it's pretty flat. It's yeah. so that water is just going very, very far. There's two million people, I think, without power for the moment. Wow, that's a lot. Jeez. Two million. You imagine it's out of Sydney, and no water and no power. Mm. Well, the water won't last long either. The water, when it's flooded like this, it won't stay clean for much longer either. No. So, goodness me. Like they saw the catastrophe where it happened when Hurricane, Hurricane Katrina went through New yeah. Orleans. That was a disaster, um, and I think you know. I hope they're just better prepared they are uh, this time than they were last time because you know, and at least they'll be able to get support out there for the people who need it. Yeah, Joe Biden's probably going to fly down there and look for uh, Congresswoman Jackie. Who's <laughs> <laughs> disappeared? Did you see that bit? No. Yeah, he's he's making a speech in Congress and he's naming her, and he goes, "Where's Jackie?" <laughs> He died in August in a car accident. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Bloody hell! <laughs> oh my goodness! That's right. and they, yeah. Anyway, I suppose they've got an option: Donald Trump or dementia. Which one do you take? I suppose. <laughs> well, Donald Trump's not far behind. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Wow. Our uh, our mate um, Mark Mark Nichols retired this year from uh, sorry, not retired, but left Souths. Is going next year up to. Uh, Mariners, Queensland. Yeah. Um, I was lucky enough to see his last game last weekend. A friend of mine gave me tickets, and I took my son and watched him play. And uh, just by chance, it was coming up on my Facebook feed a fair bit. And I think Souths have done him right, you know, giving him a lot of, um, uh, you know, admiration uh, for the time he spent there. So it's been good, and good luck to him on his on his next. Um, Isn't um, his next team? Yeah. Is Wayne Bennett coaching the Dolphins? Yeah. 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 He was so, the one who's invited him up actually when he when yeah. he went up because I want you to come up. And so you yeah. know, good luck to him. I think he's gonna do well up there. He's under gonna be under a good mentor that he uh, admires. So I think he's gonna yeah. do very, very well. Very yeah. well. Or a giant. That guy is probably the most humble dude, like the nicest guy you could ever meet. Yeah. You know, I, I cannot believe the quality of Mark Nichols. Beautiful person. So good luck to him. Yeah. Absolutely, gentlemen. Yep. And what about the English pound? What's happening there? <laughs> okay, stick to real estate, but we, it, <laughs> stick, 
it's, tell us, it, tell us, tell us. It, it's important to know because they, uh, when uh, I think it's least trust, the, the prime minister came in, she decided, you know, uh, I'm, I'm going to be nice. I'm going to give everyone like a, a, a good Christmas prezi. So I'm going to cut the uh, interest, uh, what is it, the, the rates for the tax rate for corporate and, 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 and obviously high money. But I think she's gone a bit too far and the market didn't expect that. So the markets plummet. The, it's all... It's lost 30% to the uh, US dollars now. I think that uh, Australia has gone up uh, by about 10 to 15% against the pound. Wow. It, it's just crazy. Uh, the, there's huge problem now with uh, uh, interest rates over there. And, and there's, there's a likelihood that people can't, be, can't pay their mortgage. So banks now have started to stop. So, I mean, it's just crazy thing. So... But it's going to have repercussion here because mm. uh, most of the uh, resources are priced in dollars. So if the dollar is now gone up against us, even against us, if you have a look at our dollars, it's gone down. We're going to pay more. It, it's just crazy. Mm -mm. Yeah. The fuel excise has been lifted as well. So we're going to be paying more for fuel now as well. I yeah. know. Um, but, the, you know, funny thing, I was surprised to hear that that flow on effect we shouldn't feel till middle of next week. Is what I was hearing. So they say if they what they were saying, if you see fuel going up now, it's price gouging. Surprise, surprise from mm. the, you know, the fuel companies. Yeah, um, I suppose you know we mm. we already so, know they've been doing that. So, so as we're talking about interest rate, I just want to let uh, you guys know that the, you need to check with uh, your your bank. Uh, my bank not only has uh, pushed the interest rates up. Uh, by whatever the uh, reserve banks pushed, but they actually took advantage of that to con me and lift it up by another 0.7. So you you might want to check because a lot of banks are doing silly stuff like this and Macquarie Bank's done it to me. Um, so we are now going to be talking to, to Macquarie Bank because I think that's wrong. Mm. You can't be doing it uh, to, to customers. Mm. Right. No. It's saying it, it went up. 0.5%, but they've whacked it up in that same movement. Point no, six. so in, in, in the time that I've have had uh, the interest uh, rates, uh, the, the, the loan moved to them. The uh, I think the Reserve Bank's gone up by 1.5. Mm -hmm. They've gone up by 2.2 on my... Wow. That is wrong. That's that so wrong to take advantage of people like this. And I mean, this week I'm gonna give it to people. And the, the next bit that I just want to say too, and 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 I hope that all of us gonna have to start beeping the horn. And and that is these these uh, Macquarie Bank owned uh, cars. You know, the the speed car on the side of the road. I think it's one thing to try to keep the road safe, mm -hmm. but I don't think it's safe to do it at night when we can't see you. Mm. I don't think it's it's good to do it on Queens on 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 the Queens Day off or or on the weekend very early in the morning. I, I think it's wrong, mm. you know. So what I do now is that when I drive past those guys, I don't care. I just slow down the car almost to nothing, and I just beat the horn at them yes. because there's better way of making money and earning an income rather than sitting down at weird times and trying to catch people. Yeah. Yep. And if they are going to just get me in court, 
do that because I love to have the day and and, and see how how that work for them. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, so that's enough for me whinging to this week, but <laughs> I feel good. Um, yeah, that's good. That's good. Right and off. Of course, the, the big grand finals on this weekend, the footy, Penrith and Eels. Was it been 30? How long has it been, Chris, since they won a grand final? Uh, who, the Eels or Penrith? Eels. Eels. It's been a fair while. It's hasn't it been, been 30 while. years? I don't know the year. It's been, it's, my money's on the Eels. My son beat me last week and he won $50. So I've gone double or nothing against them. He's going to Penrith again. I'm going double or nothing. I've got my money on Parramatta. I got my brother-in-law is a Parramatta supporter. My good mate Craig's a Parramatta supporter. So I'm going to go the blue and gold. See how we go. But I don't like my chances. Uh, Penrith are looking pretty good for the weekend. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's going to be a good time. I think. Um, I think Australians in. Oh, it's not Australians, but I think a lot of the guys in Sydney, whether you follow the football or you don't follow the football. That October long weekend, you might get invited to a barbecue. It's a, it's just a nice time to get it's together. A special time, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, just celebrate something a little bit different. And to have Even two like Western it. Sydney teams in it this year, um, good. it's good. It's good for the community. And I mean, look, yeah. we're all Aussies at the end of the day. Who doesn't love the footy? So this one is last lost uh, last weekend, which is unfortunate. But they got absolutely <laughs> hammered. Hammered. They got absolutely hammered in the in yeah. the grand final. But they put on a good show. That's mm. the main thing. They got all the way. Um, anyway, that's yeah, and especially this weekend, it's probably going to be wet, so everything's on. That's going to be nice. Anyway, subject, Lou. Subject. Okay, so we thought we'd lighten it up a little bit this week. Nothing too yeah. intense. So we're just going to cover the the five things that are easier said than done in real estate. Because I'm sure. Look, I'm sure the the perception out there is that um, real estate to walk in the park with your grandma every day of the week and it's so not i mean there's a lot people don't see it's behind the scenes stuff um hence why we work long hours and whatever else but i mean if it was that easy why isn't everybody doing it you know what i mean so um when you said when you said light and easy i was like oh, okay then i looked at the subject and I'm going, this is not a light and easy subject man no. well did you see the first five that i put through Apparently they were too intense. <laughs> Put them in igloos. Get them out of tents. I don't know, but geez, it, I was looking, going through my listing. I mean, this is some heavy crap, man. This is yeah, yeah, like, yeah, I think so. So let's start with Lou. Oh, okay. Well, well, give us the light stuff. Are, 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 are we going to go round and do one each, or what are we doing? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, if we have, I think if if we probably have five, we do very well. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. I'm going to ask. Just on you guys, before we get underway, because on this, I thought, are we coming from like an agent to a vendor, an agent to their their, their employer or an agent to themselves? Because on each every level, there's something a little bit different that is very hard, easy to say and, and then to do, you know? So I, yeah, this is I the beauty of what we're doing. We're not organized. Therefore, we go anywhere. <laughs> No, I think we are organised, but I think we all bring. I wrote them all down anyway. I've got three different pages. I thought, but I'll just go on all. So I'm I'm prepared at least. Yeah, well, I think that's the beauty. We all bring our own take on uh, however we read the question, I suppose. So I came from a little bit more of a the average salesperson's salesperson's point of view in terms of um, what five things they might think are easier said than done. So to, to the vendor, to themselves, or to their owner. We'll work that out as we go. We'll work that as we go. In real estate. In real estate. 
Anyway, right. well, I think we can probably all agree one of the harder things that are easier said than done is prospecting. So yeah. that <laughs> if that doesn't make top number one, I don't know what is. I mean, look, we know why people don't like it and we all, and anyone that says that they do like it's probably not telling the complete truth. I mean, there are good parts to it, but I think the thing with prospecting, it comes with a lot of rejection and it comes with a lot of fear of, you know, being told no and um, being shut door on, slammed phone down on, sworn at, kicked out of the house, all those kinds of things. We are out there door knocking every day and um, we get mistaken for seven day Venice and all those kinds of things. So we get hunted out sometimes, but I think that's it. Some people might look at prospecting as, well, that's a piece of cake. It actually takes a bit of courage to get out there and do that every day and, and discipline. So I think that's got to be one of the top five anyway. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. I think uh, the job of a real estate agent is not as easy as people like to think. You know, mm -hmm. they, they just drive nice cars and that's yeah. mainly because we had to churn the cars because the, uh, the government has linked our car allowance to, to, to our pay package. So, mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of people think, you know, it's, it's a very nice and easy job. They get a house, they just put it in realestate.com.au and then they just get someone who comes and say, I like it. But it's not true. Mm. This is why real estate's got something like 95% revolving door within the first two years, you know. So within the first two years, a brand new person has got 95% chance of not being there mm, mm. Uh, at the end of two years. And you... you uh, my, my brother-in-law once said to me, oh, you know, I probably can do your job selling a house. I, I could actually sell a house. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, you probably could. Like everyone can sell a house. A monkey can sell a house. And you look like one. So <laughs> you, you, you probably will make it easy. But making a living in real estate, that is not easy. Mm -hmm. Day in, day out, having people saying to you, you bloody real estate agent, you this. It's not that easy. And yet I can name so fast 10, 20, 100 jobs where people do the wrong thing, lie, cheat, deceive clients more than a real estate agent would do. Yes. And, and yet the real estate agent, he goes out and he cops a beating. But let me tell you, when when a, when a builder says to you, well, I can do it for you cheap, but instead of doing uh, putting, what is it, timber every 60 centimeters, now he does every uh, 90, well, you're going to have hollow walls very soon. When a plumber does some kind of job and he says, well, with my camera, this is what I see. How do you know that's what he sees? You know, when even the guy who does that uh, camera, uh, what is it, those speed uh, yeah, camera, speed mobile, you know, how, how do you make sense with the idea that the guy goes at nine o'clock at night and wait for people in the dark? There's no lights on. Mm -hmm. right? But real estate agents bad. So I think prospecting is tough. Mm. You have constant rejection. Mm. And, and I know some real estate agents are listening for the moment. And, and really for you guys, you have to have a big goal, mm. something that just drives you. Mm. Then the rejection means nothing. Mm. I, I say to people all the time, if door knocking 100 doors a day, meant that your brother who's got cancer will be saved. Would you do it? We all do it because we're not thinking of the no. We go, I need to get to that 100. Yeah. Mm. Well, 
it doesn't have to have uh, a life on the line. What you can do is to say to yourself, if I did 100 every single day, I can actually buy my own home at the end of a year, one year. And there's no landlord that'll tell me what to do with that house. So you have to, and, and if it's not that, it can be a, a holiday with family. It can be whatever you want. Find something that you really want. Then you can overcome that constant rejection. Mm. Anyone who says to me, I love rejection and I love prospecting, I get it. You have to be a machine. You have to have zero empathy. Something in your head has to go wrong. Mm. Has to have gone wrong. Mm. Yep. Mm -hmm. Chris. Okay, me. Uh, my next Steve, one. Was... Stephen too. Steve, no, Stephen could say something. Stephen, you're a bit like a, a, a tourist today, man. What's going on? No, you no. have to. You have a big. You have big shoes to fill in, man. You've got a lot of cutting you, off. And you, stuff. You're gonna have to be like him. You have to interrupt. You have to insult us. You have to bully us. You have to do all that stuff, man. Don't swear though. I wanted to. Yeah, I, I, don't, nah, I, I, I couldn't afford that. So, the, no, I, I agree with everything you're saying, though. Like, I mean, for prospecting, but I think everyone made the same valid points. I think you know Thomas wrapped it up the best. I mean, it's it's what it is. It, and they say anyone who says they like it are either lying or are such a machine that they're just built for it. You know? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's, it's it's just that part of our job. Like, there's just we can't not do it. It doesn't matter how good we get. It doesn't matter how long we've been in the game. We must always be doing it. And yeah, it gets easier. It gets easier. But um, we're always prospecting in one way or another. So, Absolutely. so have you got another point uh, on on, um, on prospecting, uh, Chris, before you move on? No, not on prospecting. Okay. Then, then let me share, share this next one for, uh, for people who are in real estate listening to this. Prospecting is only the beginning. The maintenance. It, that is the game. It sounds easy, but maintenance is so, so hard. Yes. If you get people to hear from you too often with zero news or just news that, uh, that has nothing special attached to it, they will switch you off. If, if you don't get in touch with them that often, then they, they will not even remember you. So the, the key is now you either have to have a phone number or you have to have an email address because unless you have either of those two, how are you going to maintain that lead? Mm. How are you going to be in contact with people and get them to remember you? That's right. And that's remembering you is probably a good point too, because they, you've got to remember that you're door knocking and probably so is a lot of other agents in the town that are competition, you know, and so you've got to leave a lasting impression and make sure they remember you somehow. So be different. Everybody turns up and knocks and says, are you thinking about selling? No. Okay, bye. Like we've said it before, write down their dog's name, write down the color of their wall. If they've just put a fresh garden in or, you know, something particular about that home. So when you ring back or you door knock next and you say, how's Jack the dog? we're showing that we are living up to our motto different in the way we care so that's a yeah good point and, and without being annoying i think that's the, the biggest thing you get is mm. as you said being that little bit different but without being annoying because yeah you know, i think as agents have got a bad enough rap out there ourselves as it is without mm. um you know or, or actually i think the worst mistake is 
someone who actually calls someone and then they call someone the same person in two streets later Mm. And, and then you think really and that person goes you know what this is the second or third time you've called me mm. and you think you know that that's I think what gets people the bad name so I mean it's trying to do it update, yeah. upbeat good mm. information and do what we need to do without getting yourself a bad name or looking more of an idiot than yeah. happened to you know mm. the unfortunate thing is though with prospecting phone door knocking whatever it is uh, owners don't remember, you know, brands or names most of the time. They just know you're an agent and it could be a, three other agents from other agencies before you and you're the third or fourth or whatever it is and you're the one that cops it. It's an unfortunate thing in real estate, but it is a balancing act, trying to keep that follow-up going without being a pest. But that's very, a, very, very. It's consistency. I mean, look, some leads I know, I've had to chase people for seven years before it eventuated to a listing but it was a maintaining of calling them once a month, every three months, whatever they sort of said, and just b maintaining and um, building that relationship. Yeah. So, so anyway, who's next? And what, what's the I next thought one? another good one. I thought another good one was um, a lot of agents and we're dealing with money. It's uh, and we're dealing with targets and timeframes and so forth. And when an agent says to an owner, I will always act in your best interest. I think unfortunately there's a lot of agents out there that don't that they act in their own best interest mm. so it's easier easier to say that i'll act in your best interest than to actually act in their best interest so for example a buyer says look i'll buy this uh, help me out get the offer accepted because i've got you know another house to sell so the agent's looking at the second commission um uh, the, the agent's selling it to a developer they're going to get resales they may be close to the quarter and they want to push the sale over the line. So instead of holding out for a higher offer from a buyer, they may get the deal done whether no, they know the owner accepted, but you know, they, they know that they probably could get more out of the, the buyer scared of losing that buyer. So I think a, agents not, not acting in the best interest of their vendor after they've actually said they're acting in the best interest of their vendor. Mm. I think that's easier said than done. I think, I think if you're a bad person or agent to begin with, I think, yeah, that's likely to happen. But thankfully, I think with how we train our people and the process that we go through in terms of transparency and making sure if like if there's an offer on a property, the whole team knows. And it's not just one agent trying to sell the property in the top drawer where the other agents in the office don't know about it. Like our processes anyway, if an offer comes through, the whole team gets notified. So if anybody's working on a, on a particular buyer for a particular property and it's their day off, they have that opportunity to then go to that particular buyer and say, hey, listen, there's been another offer. What do you want to do? I know yeah. what you're saying. I know what you're we saying. Can put those, we can put those in place, Lou, but I think we've all been in situations where someone within an office is up someone else and or they haven't held back and waited for another offer to come in and so forth. I think we've all been in situations like that or we know people that have been in situations like that. Yeah. And it comes down to people being self-serving. Um, and that's the unfortunate thing in real estate is that regardless of what people say, I think good people have got, have hard times. People go through, good people make bad decisions. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Um, so I think that's what I think. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, I don't like to think that it happens in our franchise and I like to believe that we're all doing the right thing by our vendors, but um, agents are human and, and they'll make decisions on sometimes. And, yeah. you know, of of I mean, course, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, I don't, yeah, it's just 
thankfully what we remind ourselves of is that we've everybody's got a conscience and we have to live with that and so absolutely we try and you know do the so best how, so how could how could sellers then um, make sure that they have some kind of guarantee against agents who when they talked they sound like they're gonna look after you but they're gonna do something totally different yeah i look are you talking about before they choose their agent thomas yeah yeah i'd, I'd be asking for two or three phone numbers of your most recent sellers yeah absolutely go on go on, go on not only the sellers i'd be asking for the buyers numbers as well more importantly as well the buyers because the buyers will be able to tell them you know what constant feedback he was open and honest he didn't play he didn't play me against the other person he was very ethical in his dealings with me so forth and so forth that's the negotiation phase of things and uh, the honesty and the other side is the level of feedback the level of integrity you do what you say you say what you do and so forth and that would be the vendors and i think that is the easiest way mm. for any vendor to choose their agent give me the last three phone numbers your last three sales and your last three buyers yeah yeah love it. love it that in itself is easier said than done though because we already do that i mean mm. but how many times have we been to a property where no one's ever given that to them you know they haven't had the option to do it you you know you set landmines up and say have you you know ask them for some phone numbers of their last three sellers and they they either don't want to do it because they don't want to ask the question or they they've been told no you can't have that information because of the privacy act like yeah. you know it, it, the people we get to touch yes they're going to experience that but the ones we don't uh, the ones who are going to miss out because it's not as if it's written on the guide to selling uh, the guide to selling your property by fair trading ask for references from your agent because it's not Mm. And that's the hard thing of we can do it, we can talk about it, but we can't make everyone else get out there and do it and make it a requirement. Uh, yeah. You, you, you're right. You're right in that. And I think maybe there's a little bit more education from our on our side to the vendor or some way of mm. saying, guys, you know what? If you're not going to choose me, I, you know, don't choose me. But if you're going to choose someone, this is what I think you should be doing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know what? If you if your agent says to you, "Oh no, I can't release that information," no, 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 he doesn't want to release that information because if you had happy vendors and happy buyers, they'd be going, "Absolutely, give me, give me their, you know, give my number out. I, they, anyone can call me," and mm. that would be the response from a happy seller, a happy vendor, uh, a buyer, or a happy vendor. Yeah. So we've got to learn or work out a way how we can educate our vendors or future <laughs> vendors, even just vendors out there that aren't fortunate enough to deal with the Wisebury brand, how they should be selecting an agent. Mm. And even the fact, I think a lot of vendors will not call those people, but the fact that they know they have the numbers, yeah. they will then go, man, this guy's got nothing to it, like. It can be even simpler than that too, in terms of ask them to make an inquiry on something that they're selling now, but don't tell them that you're a potential seller or shoot them an email and see at what speed they get back to you. And don't mention selling because, you know, unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, it's, a, it's actually a good thing. We do get judged a lot on this, on the speed in which we return phone calls, inquiries and emails to people. And, you know, it's particularly with buyers, they are our next sellers. And so we have a, a policy that a buyer inquiry is returned immediately at the first available opportunity. Hence why sometimes they get texted out to us when we're on the road or or whatever, because the speed in which you reply is a, a, a good indication of whether you're gonna be the listing the listing agent in the long run. Um, and, I, and how many times do I, well, I hear it anyway, 
Oh, thank you for returning my call. I've put 10 oh. inquiries out and no one's ever turned, returned my call. I was just oh. about to say that this week, actually last week, same scenario, four or five people, brand new villa hit the market. I'm calling them up, email inquiry, ringing them up. They go, oh, you called me. I was just expecting an email. No one calls me. I'm like, well, why'd you leave your phone number? It was fantastic. You know, they were pleased to be hearing from an agent. Yeah. I was getting emails back from them after they heard a voicemail saying, thanks for the voicemail, got it, see you on Saturday. So agents out there, they need to lift their game. Seriously, we're not in a, we're not in a, a, a strong market. It's a buyer's market. You need to be servicing the buyers to an extremely high level. You mm. should have been doing that already, but you need to be doing that in this market. So Even more, yeah. Some of the stats you read from the industry that like realestate.com and Homely and the like put out, is, it's atrocious. I mean, you know, 85% of buyer inquiries aren't answered within 24 hours. Yeah. You know, so you just think, really? Like, you know, that's, that's criminal. So, but I see in our offices, I mean, the number of flowers and chocolates and thank you cards that the team receive um, from people saying, listen, really sorry, we couldn't buy from you, but we have to tell you that we're telling all our friends about you. We've even asked people for test testimonials just on that, you know, saying, listen, you know, do a Google review, tell someone that it was great to deal with us as a buyer. And we followed you up. Even if you didn't buy from us, you wished you could have, you know, so yeah, um, well, you see that again in the team, in the office, you know? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's a good, like I've picked up quite a lot of managements and brought a lot of managements into our office from dealing with buyers who have bought through other agents, but then didn't get that after service, after exchange to settlement where they knew full well it was an investment, but did nothing about it, didn't be proactive about, hey, listen, we manage property as well, can we help? Whereas I've realized they're calling me for property management info, knowing once I realized, hang on, they're, they're settling in three weeks and they have these other agents haven't even approach the subject and i've i've brought maybe five or six properties in just in the last 12 months by that means alone so yeah big one they'll give their phone number to they'll let the vendors call them so that's yeah. probably the best piece of advice to a vendor if you're choosing your agent call yeah. the last three customers both silent sellers and buyers beautiful Absolutely. love it love it Steve. all right Stephen. or oh, what's your next one well, I wrote three lists. I wrote one as a principal, one as a salesperson, and one as a property manager. So I can give you five on each. But um, I think from the point of view as a principal, um, recruiting. I mean, as as matter and, and as doesn't matter how hard you try, um, everyone goes, oh, recruiting's easy. But I mean, you only have to get together as leaders, and doesn't matter if it's our best leader or or, you know, the person who needs some help, they all have that same problem, you know, it's just, and now it's even worse. I mean, before COVID, it, it was manageable, but post COVID, it, it, it's as mm -hmm. tough as can be. I mean, no one's wanting to work and the ones that are, are wanting to earn necessarily more money than they'll even bring in in a year, you know? So mm -hmm. I think that's definitely, and, and it doesn't matter whether it's sales or property management or sales assistant or whatever, um, tough gig out there at the moment that you know people go oh you've always got an add-in you must always be finding staff I was like enough I've always got an add-in because we're not finding the staff that's the problem you know mm. yeah and as you say like since COVID people are people it's a different you know people would normally come with you know I want to earn this much and I you know maybe work 
don't really want to work a Saturday, but I will if I have to. That was probably the most two requirements or recommendations. And now it's, I want to work from home three days of the week. I want to earn more than you. Um, and I only want to work <laughs> six hours a day. Do you know what I mean? And so- and Can you make my phone calls for me? Yeah. And, you know, we're, we're trying to be flexible. Um, yeah. You know what? Someone wants to work from home three days of the week and they can pull the deals in. I don't mind. You know, I, I, I interviewed a girl, I spoke to a girl today for an interview next week and she wants to work school hours, but be a salesperson. I said, go for it. Never mm -hmm. done it before, but you know what? I'm happy to try it. In fact, yeah. I've always wanted to find a team of someone who works Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and be even two mums returning to the workforce who only want to do three days of the week and they can be team mary jane and you know but do you think i can find anyone no and you put it out there flexible working arrangements and people go wow that's flexible but they don't apply mm, you know yeah. so it's but you know what i'm we, we, we consider anything these days i think if you can work six hours a day or three hours a day and achieve the results you need go for it let's bring it to the table and give it a go you know you mm. Yeah, well, that's what we've learned. You know, anything's possible through after COVID, you know. But, we spoke um, about it last week. The pendulum is moving towards people, right? Yeah. That's right. We spoke about the, the, the people. And for me, the first recruiting we need to do is to understand that we constantly need to recruit our own people every day. Mm. Yeah. A lot of people are focusing on recruiting, recruiting, and then they keep on treating their own staff bad. No, no, you need to recruit your own people first. Yeah. Then extra people will come. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's it's not it's not easy. Listen, it's not easy. Um, but a lot of these guys don't understand. There's businesses out there that are advertising good money. Like if you think if you think that you're giving them uh, 50,000 and you should be happy, there's businesses that are giving 100,000. But let me tell you one thing, it always comes with a catch. If you're not performing, it's simple. You'll be out very fast. And not only you burn the bridges from where you were, but so, but, so they know by getting you there, there's no comeback for you. Mm. And then what they do is now they treat you very simple. You get it. You run because you stop. I will kick you out. Mm. And so you have to be very careful about uh, believing that uh, the, the 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 grass is green on the other side. Totally, that's what we yep. sort of say. You know, the grass might be greener, but it's just as hard to mow. And one of the things I said to one of the team lately is, it's probably also got a septic tank under it. So be careful. You know, so but that's the thing. They get lured in by these. Um, you know whiz bang offers and stuff like that but um, well, that's human nature i mean you know is. everyone wants the glitz and the glamour and you know they're not thinking long term i mean it's like you know but but again how do you convince people the grass is not greener yep you look after your people um you work with your people you recruit your people daily but mm. there's just some people that it, it doesn't matter what you offer them and what you do with them they see bigger money up the road and, you know, match it or I'm gone kind of thing. And that's the sad part because you know what? The word I'm gone will be true because in one or two months, they'll be out on the area. They, As Thomas said, they've burnt the bridge behind them. Um, mm. Real estate career 101 has gone, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yep. All right, sir. What's next? What's your point? 
Who? Oh, okay. Uh, I had uh, the balancing of the activities mm. in a real estate job. That it's very easy to say the job is easy. You just have to prospect, just have to sell, go out and list, and and sometimes manage. And then when you have to do it, you don't even know where to start. <laughs> it is so so difficult. So I. I, I would like people to really start thinking that first they have to look at their stock. Where is it at? And then they have to really understand that maybe that week they have to put a little bit more in one aspect or the other aspect. Mm -hmm. So, for example, I, I had I have one of my sales guy in the first month of this uh, quarter. He was already at $34,000 at the end of the month. And I said to him, put your head down, look at the listing sites. What it means is that you must make sure you do prospecting. Don't do anything else. Don't even celebrate, just prospecting. But then he didn't. He, he started thinking that now I, I know a lot. So, uh, and then what, what's worse is that he, his mates start calling him and go, man, I, I can't believe that you got uh, that many six listings and then it's not even the end of the month and it's your first month in sales and all blah, blah, blah. He's now thinking, man, I'm, I'm, I'm top dog. He ends up the quarter only uh, just at base. Mm. It's the balancing is so, so hard. You need to really trust the people who've done it before you or your leaders or your managers because they somehow can have that sniff where you need to focus, which is something that you probably will get maybe after 18 months. But before that, you don't know. You, you, you think that you're doing right. There's real estate agents out there that because that it's a buyer's market, what do they do? They focus more on buyers. Big mistake. Mm. <laughs> you know? so, so the balancing act is not as easy as we'd like to think. Mm, mm, 100%. And I think it sort of rolls into one of the um, topics or it's, just, it's in the same line of managing your time um, you know, and your day, um, because that's a thing. And it's like what you were saying there with where we're at in the quarter, like we had one salesperson that I think he was off for about a month and it was looking like that he wasn't going to to make it. And I said, well, mate, you need to focus on buyers now because this late in the quarter, you've just come back and you're not going to get a listing on in time for it to sell or, or whatever else. We've got good stock out there. Just focus on selling it. But sometimes they can't think like that. Sometimes all they want to do is list, 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 list. Um, so yeah, you're 100% right. It's working, working on the right thing at the right time, but managing your day. When people can come in, and particularly a lot of salespeople can be busy doing nothing, but they look busy, but they're actually doing nothing productive. Um, but we used to have, back when I started, there was blockout time. So we'd have two hours of prospecting, two hours for buyers and two hours for listings and whatever else. And sometimes that really helps to have a structure like that. Um, yeah. yeah. But I yeah. think it comes back to having goals as well. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, and, and, and knowing our team's goals and, and, and knowing what that person wants to achieve because, you know, people do get lost. Yeah. You know, we all know people who, you know, they they think they're having five minutes off and five hours later they haven't actually got back to the job at hand you know yeah. and, and that's there's the rest of the day gone but mm. you know if if 
we're sort of measuring them along the way. And I mean, I, I say to my team, my job is to get you to base. But if you want $85,000 or $100,000 this quarter, my job is to get you there. Do I have your permission? Good. Then I keep going. So we revisit the goals. We revisit what they're doing because if not, A, you're a lost ship, but you've got a lost ship with no direction of where you're going or what you want, then you are just going to go, you know, what? Well, I did 34 in a month. Like, how good am I? This is going to be a $100,000 quarter. I'll just sit back and wait for the rest to flow in like it did the first month. And then, as you say, they, they either make it or they don't, you know? And going back to what we were saying at the beginning, people who think real estate's easy have no idea. And so the work that actually goes into this job, you wouldn't do it for base pay, would you? I mean, you can get that money packing shawls at Coles these days. So why would you not do that yeah, if you just get it base? Yeah. The, the sad part is the stat still is that 80% of salespeople in New South Wales live on the base wage. I know, and 20% make 80% of the money. You know, so you just think, so if those 80% suddenly want to go and earn $100,000, I mean, that's going to look way better than the 50 they're currently getting because, like, they're not making any more than the 50. So give me the 100 to still do nothing, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's the trouble. Like, it's, you know, you're in an industry where the success rate realistically is so low. Mm. It's, like you said, it's that time management. It's doing the right things at the right time. Um, and unimportant tasks done well doesn't make them important. Yeah. So... It, it, they, it's it's all encompassing that thing that Thomas brought up. It's it's a very yeah. big one. Um, I'm I'm guilty of it doing administration during administration work during you know productive hours. So, I mean, yeah. you get caught up, and sometimes you have to do it and so forth. But mm. uh, it, it happens. It happens, and yeah. it steals good time. It steals you good time away of the day. Mm. Mm. I, I like your line. I like your line, though, Chris. I'm trying to write it down. What was that line? Unimportant, things, unimportant done well. things done well are not necessarily important. Doesn't make them important. Yeah. Doesn't make yeah. them important. Yeah. But then yeah. if you're, you're committed and dedicated to doing what you want to achieve, it then cuts into your personal life because you need to go and make those mm. wasted hours back up at a later stage because yeah. the amount of work you need to do to achieve your goal is the same, whether you, you waste half the day and have to work through the night it's still that same work level. Yeah, exactly. So it's what we say. It's not the hours you put in. It's what you put in the hours that count. Yeah. I always remember Thomas is saying that he used at a conference once, do what you have to do before you do what you want to do. Yeah. And yeah. I say that to people. I think they hate me now. But, you know, I constantly use it. Can I do this? You know what? Do what you have to do before you do what you want to do. I, I say that to myself when I walk past the shops and see a nice pair of shoes. And I'm like, do what you have to do. <laughs> Do what you, you want have to, to do. Buy the shoes, buy those you shoes. Have to buy the shoes. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. Right, you, so you, you just said it like a Skywalker, like you're yeah. not, you know, do what they have to do. Well, Stephen, I don't mind if for the next 15 years they hate you more than they hate me. I, uh... <laughs> Oh, that's right. They're all currently reading your book now. So I think they're all sort of thinking, gee, he's not as bad as we thought. Like, mm. gee, this dude, you know, like, gee. Yeah, we're getting a bit of that, actually. He's a bit normal. Like, I didn't realise. Like, I just thought it was like some tin thing that sat up on a shelf. But what, like, did, what did one of them say in the sales meeting today? Hold on, hold on. So you you guys have been generous enough to get your entire team yep, every, a copy every, of the book so they can read? Yeah. The, entire team. The, the, not amazing, just amazing, not good enough. 
Well, Amazing, not good enough. So not just the salespeople, but the property managers, the admin. Every, oh, wow. member, of staff, every member of staff. Our parents have got a copy. Our kids have got a copy. Oh, yeah. wow. And, and um, one of the salespeople said today, Thomas, which I thought was really, really lovely, I always thought Thomas was this, um, what did he, what did she say, Stephen? Um, not, uh, un, in, uh, like a, not human, like not human. It was yeah. just too, too like unstoppable, unbreakable, blah, blah, blah. He's actually just a normal guy. Well, like, yeah, he is, you know? So, but this is the thing, like I asked, um, I asked people to describe you in three words before they touch the book confidence unbreakable unstoppable blah, blah 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 i said read the book you'll just see that he's just human like everybody else and um it's it's really nice for them because that's nice they they yeah they 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 really actually that's what she said we all they all um put you on a pedestal and think you're this unbreakable unstoppable human which you you, you are in, in whatever but they they think that they'll never amount to that. But the message that I'm trying to get them to understand and what your book's gonna do is that you're just a human like everybody else at the end of the day, like the rest of us. And yeah, so it's really, it's gonna be interesting what comes of it after we get through the book, but- um, well, I think you've shown more of a human side. Like, yeah. you know, a lot of these people have just seen Thomas in recruit training. So that's it. Know, they see him have a bit of fun. They see him dance. They see them pass or fail their exam. Um, <coughs> then they come back and, um, you know, might, you know, see him at, at training or, or, or whatever. So now they're really thinking there is. There's this really soft, mm. gentle, caring person underneath all that who's mm. possibly experienced issues way worse than some of us have or or some of them are going you know what i thought i had it bad but you know what i think i found someone equal me now so yeah um, i think it's certainly changed a lot of the humans and and i think we'll go a long way to help people because you know i've heard the comment already from someone gee if a dude can go and do what he's done with what's happened to there i think i've got no excuse i better get my together and go out and create a life for myself you know yeah that's what I love about fiction books and <laughs> fairy tale. That's what he said. It's just a fairy tale at the end. Of it. yeah. I had so and many lines. I was just shutting up. <laughs> um, I got another good one. I got another yes. good one because I know, like, I struggled with this um, a fair bit in the beginning, and I've just put a subtitle here: "Getting Back on the Horse." And what I meant by that was, you know you you celebrate a really good win and you celebrate it for too long and then it affects you down the track or you have a really catastrophic in your mind event where you lose a really good listing or a vendor and you've got to pick yourself back up from that so i think a lot of the easier said than done things are when you do have a good result or you have a a, a bad situation is getting back onto that level of momentum positivity i can do this because if I had a dollar for every, if I had a dollar for every time somebody said to me, "Lou, do you did you think about quitting real estate at ever ever?" and I went every day for about the first two years, and they go, "What really?" and I go, "Yeah, because it's not easy what we do, and you have a really good quarter, you have a really good sale, and the next day you wake up and they rescind or something, and you yeah. just go, oh, maybe this is not for me, maybe I'm not good enough,' and you've got to battle that." 
um, inner thoughts and demons and whatever else that all arise from that. So I think it's easier said than done to just get back on the horse, but it's crucial. It's a crucial think, thing that we have to do. Lou, I think the problem with that is that a lot of people feel that they shouldn't be feeling that way. And they harden themselves by, oh, I shouldn't feel so bad or, or I shouldn't celebrate so much. I think it's the wrong way to look at it. I think feel bad, feel good, but don't feel that way too long. So yeah. don't celebrate your victories too long. Don't be in the dumps too long. Acknowledge it. Okay, it's shit. What can I do? Yes, yeah. all right. How can I fix it? Can I not fix it? Was it me? Was it something else? Analyze the problem. Celebrate your victory. Have a lunch, whatever, and then move on. Get back yeah. to work. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, Chris, it's easier said than done when you say that to a salesperson. You'll be oh, right. No, yeah, about it. Move on to your next sale. Move on to your next listing. It's easier said than done, like coming from your leader. You'll be right. Get on with it. Whereas I know when that happened to me, if I lost a vendor, like if I think the hardest one for me to come to terms with is if I didn't sell a person's property because I felt like I let them down. And I, you know, I, I really struggled with that because I felt like I wasn't good enough and I've, I've promised these people something and I've let them down so badly and you know could I've possibly ruined their life because now they've got a now they've lost you know it, it was hard for me to to do now I don't think that because I just you know if it happens it happens and you know it's just part of life but it's hard if if you're sort of that way inclined it's hard for some people to come bounce back from a crash sale it's hard like there's one particular person in our team if they don't list something and someone else gets it they go into absolute catastrophic mode for two or three days why 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 and they want to quit and i'll just go do this instead and it's you've got to talk them around it's it's a hard thing but i think that the, the, the way we can help people with that is a see that they're going through it mm. um, and, and it is like you said it's easier said than done but i think if we help them and realize that we've gone through it as well yeah. You know, and, and I mean, I, you know, I'll sometimes sit there and I'll say to my sales team, look, this happened this last week. And I can tell you, I, I was absolutely gutted. Mm. And let them see that it can happen to everyone. But then this is my solution of how I got on because I can sit here for the rest of the quarter and cry over it, or I can go out and find another better listing to replace it. But yeah. you know what? If we talk to our people like that, I think that's where they'll understand. Yeah. Whereas it's easy to go, ah, oh, Chris. Stop celebrating, dude. You've had long enough now. Get back out there. And they think, seriously. Yeah. But you know what? If you take, if I can take you out for a lunch, Chris, and we'll have a bit of a celebration um, and, and show you. But then let's set the plan up of where we're going. Or And that's where I think, so it, it, that's why it's still another important thing to be so close to your team. Um, mm. I mean, COVID, you know, yeah, we could all work from home, but you could put a brave front on COVID. And, and not everyone would know, but when they walk in the office and they're dragging their feet and you think, all right, they're not good like they said, but couldn't see feet being dragged as they walked from the bedroom to the um, study at home. You know, you couldn't see that. So getting them back in the team and getting close to them in that way, they're like, you know, they are part of our family. So mm. we owe it to them to know how they're fielding, which is why, you know, that little walk around every morning when you just go and check, talk to people is, you know, it's yeah you know who needs help and you know who doesn't need help and you know who wants, wants to talk and who doesn't want to talk and you know the one who doesn't want to talk is the one that you probably need to spend the most time with because they're wanting to get out there quickly so I think knowing your people it is a hard one you're never going to go out I mean 
you know, even Lisa gave that one to me. She said, keeping up the pace and the momentum because you, she watches the team, you know, like we're talking about getting getting back on the horse, so to speak, but it's yeah. even keeping up that pace. You know, I've got to do this many prospecting calls every day and I need a listing appointment and a buyer appointment and I need this every single week. You know, if we're not rest, and that's why I'm, you know, and I said to Lou the other day, next year, every three months, everyone's having a week off. Mm. They've got to do it. But we're trying to get people weekends off and things like that so that, they don't burn out and get to the end um, mm. because it, it, it's okay to get back on the horse, but you've got to try to stay on the horse as well. Yeah. Keep exactly. that momentum up, keep the pace happening. So it's, it, and it's, I think it's up to us. I mean, mm. you know, yes, it's easy to say, oh, well, people have got to look after themselves, but they're part of our team. They're part of our family. Yeah. If we're not mindful of what can happen and mindful of how to get out of it, because some people honestly don't know. Well, that's the thing, and I think that's the thing for me. I, I probably took it personally a lot and thought, well, it must be something wrong with me, and I've let them down and whatever else. But as I've grown in my career and whatever else, if I've done the best I can, I couldn't have done any more. But going forward, I think the things that can help people is, you know, if you do lose a listing or a sale or whatever, the easiest way to get over that is just find your next one get your next win you know don't take things personally if you know you've done the best you can with what you've got you can't do any more than that so you've got to be content with that if you know that you've dropped the ball and you could have done more then you've also got to be content with the fact that you've let somebody down potentially and you've got to find the lesson in that and move on you can't dwell on it because tomorrow's another day um, and it can ruin a quarter it can ruin a year it can ruin a career if you dwell on it too long but, but I think it's like anything my lesson to my team is Every time I've lost something or something didn't happen, something better comes along. So, yeah. And it doesn't matter whether it's a wife, a girlfriend. <laughs> you know, I, had to I mean, I'm not getting any more to come along because I found the next one now. But, you know, but it's the same thing. Something always comes along. I mean, I lost the sale a couple of months back because of, you know, major issues with the prop property. But you know what? It sold a couple of weeks later to someone else for $20,000 more. Who cares? something better came along you know so um it's it's always the way to look at it and if it made you guys laugh well you know what if it picks up a team member and gets them back on the horse well then that job's done the gem i reckon of this podcast but anyway <laughs> uh listen <clears throat> while you're talking i'm just thinking about this point that really i hope the book on NGE is going to help people because it's one thing for us to tell people, get over it and move on. But unless they sort out their NGE, they're not good enough in them. They won't move on. Mm. It will be like you uh, speaking in Swahili to someone uh, in England. They, they won't get it. Mm. So what I would rather think is how to teach people to fish for themselves rather than giving them a fish. And, and I think that, man, people have to get through the NGE. Yes, I'm, I'm listening to you guys about your stuff, and it's really been nice to hear some of the stuff. But I don't look at my upbringing and some of the stuff. And a friend of mine read a book, and apparently said, oh, man, Thomas' dad, wasn't he a bad guy? And I don't know, you didn't get it. Thomas' dad made Thomas who he is. Yeah. 
and Thomas could either have stayed in the jail rather than seeing the good side of it, because there's always two sides to things. Or Thomas went out and looked at the good side of what he's done and why it's been done that way. Mm. And Thomas realized that Thomas' dad did not find the good side of his his upbringing to bring it out, bring out the best of Thomas. And and I think that we need to really make a difference, a, a, a differentiation between things happens versus it's the thing that we do with what things happen that matters most. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, it is. And I don't want to sound, I don't want to say the BB word, but when things happen, a lot of the time it's the, and I'm talking about Brene Brown, Chris, my senior friend. Oh, okay, yeah, radio. <laughs> Airbnb, what? What are, we, what are we talking about? I said the BB word. But a lot of the time, a lot of the time, what happens is it's the story we're telling ourselves, which is, you know, nothing more than a made up story that we've replayed in our minds for our whole lives or for however long. So, yeah. Anyway, what else have we got? What else? Uh, I've got. Uh, uh, what, uh, Big Ben? No, no, I was oh, just going to go. I, I was just going. <laughs> Everyone. I said, I said, big man. I didn't say tall man. <laughs> we uh, uh, to train daily, um, even by yourself to train daily. Yes. I think that's a very hard thing to do. It's very. Hard. I know even now with my team, I've got all this stuff in my head that needs to be done. Putting time 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 aside to to train, and, and there's so much in, so important. And it's so important to do it at the right time of the day, not in the morning like we used to. You know, pick a day during you know the peak of the day when energy levels aren't maybe as high, um, and and train. But but also just train ourselves, whether it's reading of a night time, of a morning, whatever it may be. Training our bodies, training our minds. I think I think there's we we, we put so much emphasis onto our work life. If we 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 put more focus in our car, I think, than we do in our to ourselves. Um, so I think just that training and it's, uh, yes, I will train daily. It just doesn't happen. Mm. It just, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. And, but you're right though, Chris, in terms of, um, training ourselves, like there's lots of little things that we can do that help. And it doesn't have to be a full hour. It can be five minutes of what am I grateful for in the morning? It can be 10 minutes in the car between appointments where you just listen to one podcast or you read audio like have the audible read through to the car for you of one chapter or something but you know in when talking about training teams we used to try to do that and you know what we found it was so hard with our schedules and different offices and all the rest of it now you know what we do we have one dedicated training session a week on a friday and it's in the middle of the day sometimes it goes for an hour sometimes it goes for two but you know what everybody knows like clockwork it's like a sales meeting they do not miss it they do not dare not turn up to it it is our scheduled yeah, training and everybody brings ideas and we talk about during the week what does anybody need help on and we bring those ideas to the surface before we get to training but then if Stephen and I are in training because we always do it together if we're in training and we see that okay maybe those ideas that were brought to the table are probably not the not the right ideas they were just masks to get us off track for something else we switch track and we go and we're always texting each other going not nah, this way that way this person that person um, yeah. But we have a dedicated time because you know what? Training the team every day is just not possible when you've got 15 people in your office, you know, to try and get everybody's schedules around. It's just sales meetings, leadership meetings, marketing meetings, 
all this stuff. It's, it's just not possible sometimes, but it certainly is possible to spend five or 10 minutes a day on yourself. There's no reason, there's no excuse because we've got 24 hours. And I think that's where we need to still try to help people too, because, you know, we, we were in the Wisebury Book Club last year and um, we had to read a chapter every week of a certain number of books that we we're working on with Thomas and a, and, a, and a whole screen full of people because we did it during COVID. Mm. And, and I know there were people who were sitting in the car on Monday morning out there trying to finish the chapter off. Yeah. Because reading one chapter a week is a big deal to them. So it's easy to sit there and, and I'm not knocking anyone who does it, but it's easy to sit there and go do this and do this and do that. I know there's people out there who will struggle. There's people who would struggle to even open that book yet. So that, you know, so I think it's, everyone's got their own way of learning and some people just don't know how to learn. Some people don't know how to train and it's then up. So again, we're going to be running, you know, in, in a few weeks, we're going to start our book club off again, totally voluntary. Um, you don't have to come to it because there's no point having people who don't want to be there. Um, but it'll help those people at least get one chapter read per week because other people are going, I finished the book. And you watch some of the eyes thinking, I'm up to page three, you know, mm -hmm. so everyone does it differently. So it is going to be, it is a good one though. Um, training, it, daily training is hard because I think a lot of people just don't know what to do. I mean, you know what to do. Yeah, but sometimes, uh, Steve, I, 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 look, I, I think some people don't understand the importance of it. And that's when you have those people going, oh, I've put my hand up to be in this book club. So I now need to finish the book, but I've only got, you know, this 15 minutes before it starts to read the rest of the chapter. I don't think they, they understand the importance. I think it's something that I have to do, not something that I get to do. And be able to improve themselves and improve that, their lives and others around them and their results and whatever it may be. I don't. I, I think a lot of people miss that it, there's so much more positivity than that training, whether it's a book club or whatever aspect. I just don't think a lot of people understand the importance. You know the I, best and, and that's why they don't know how to do it is because they don't put the time into understanding how to do it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But you know the thing I found, Chris? Um, when I start, and I've always done it, but I sort of didn't really share that with the team. So I've always listened to a podcast on my way to work, way home from work, whatever, all day in the car. That's all I listen to. I refuse to listen to anything else. But then when I started sharing that with people and telling people that's what I did, because I say, well, you know, by the time I get home and do kids, dinner, this, that, that, you know, it's 10 o'clock at night and what am I going to do then, you know? And it suddenly started to rub off. And so when you do it and you start saying, hey, listen, I listened to this really great podcast and you just start sharing it or you do other things like I read this great book, here it is, or I've just read this article, here it is, you know, like <coughs> start small, you know, something's better than nothing, you know. Oh, no, absolutely, absolutely. But it also comes back to a bit of discipline too, Chris. I mean, there's those that if they don't put a book up, will probably still manage to slide through the earth and get everything they want then there's those who will, will just lose their way totally because the, the, the techniques, the market, everything's going to move on past them. I mean, you've got to, again, look back to how disciplined you are to what you want to do and what your goal is to get there. I mean, it's all right for you, Chris. You, you're rich, you know, so you can just keep, keep, you know, keep, keep doing you know something. You, I don't. you don't have to worry about whether you get your business to that next level. But then, of course, comes the other problem that, you don't have to, like, 
there's people who are so busy working in their business just to keep their doors open that opening a book or doing a bit of training or something like that is the last thing on their mind because I could have been making another prospecting call because they're at desperation point and which a lot of salespeople are. Hey, listen, I've got a target to make. You want me to read that book or you want me to listen to that web, uh, that podcast? Like, so. Yeah. Yeah. You, don't have, you don't have to go far. You don't have to go far. I was in an office on uh, Tuesday and this is like a top office, top level. And after five minutes of doing some kind of role plays with them, I'm, I'm thinking, hold on, this is real rusty stuff. And I, I just did some training on just market reviews. And at the end, they said, oh, man, we are so far from what market review training is. We think we know market reviews. We, we've been training on what we think we know. And yet this guy just turns up and he just gave us a, a, a what is it? A wake up call. So I think that you, you, there is training and there is training. Training mm. is not about watching the clock tick for an hour. Mm. Training is about shifting yourself to the next level, no matter what it takes. If you're here, you must go here. If you're here, you must just go here. But unless you shift yourself to that next level, you're wasting time. Mm. Yep, 100%. 100, yeah, 100%. And that shift, that's the thing. Like, you can do that in five or 10 minutes. You don't need an hour sometimes, you know? It's just, no. yeah. Mm. So what's, uh, what's the last one? I think we have time for one last one. Well, we, we better throw one in for property managers. Oh, uh, sure. I, I think we've been talking a lot about uh, everything, resilience, property managers. Yeah, well, that was one of the things they brought up, not letting the job and people get to you. Um, but they said vacating inspections. I, I, yeah, I, I have to say that I, I would, I really, really feel for property managers because, and I've said it to them before, they, salespeople get to enjoy the, the reward of, you know, dealing with people's biggest assets and selling fantastic homes. And, you know, it, once you found the buyer and you put the deal together and then rides out to settlement, you know, where property managers, they're dealing with a lot of, crap a lot of the time in terms and when I say crap what I'm meaning is this broke that broke this is leaking my roof just fell in um, this person hasn't paid their rent they deal with a lot of negativity which is not necessarily uh, avoidable but it's just the reality of what they do and I and I think property managers they're almost like um, people that work in you know um, like paramedic stuff it takes a certain person it takes a certain person to do that job really and i seem like they work in third world countries <laughs> Look, there's a lot of good things about property management oh, yeah. but i do think it's like it's it's the resilience you oh. know like it, it's having that because you know i've heard the girls today and i mean you know uh, we've got a tenant who honestly believes he paid an extra week's rent. He can't prove it. He has no grounds to believe, but he just thinks that he did. So he's going to hold everything up. You know, you go to a vacating inspection and I mean, the poor property manager, the minute they walk in the door, nine out of 10 tenants are going to tell them that this was better than when they moved in now. Yeah. Um, 
you know so it's and you know sometimes it is because there's a lot of good tenants out there but a lot of the times it's not and then it starts and you're involved with a lot of emotion and i don't think necessarily in sales i think we see the same emotion we see someone go goo gar i want to buy a house we see an owner say i'm not taking that offer you're not going to let them steal the house from me but in property management someone spent three hours or three days cleaning a property and a property manager goes in with their white glove and goes dirty and they break down i mean there's a reason we have two staff members go to every inspection because if they're going to knock one out the other one can kick them up (laughs) but that's true It, it happens and you know that's the thing that we've talked a lot about the sales side of it but i think for the property managers it's having that get up and go and know that when you get to work in the morning the first phone call at 901 could be um where's why is that tenant not paid their rent go terminate them for me you know like it it just happens so i think it's having that you know not letting the job get to you and know that when you go out the door you're not sitting there making yourself a to-do list at midnight like most property managers do of the things they need to do tomorrow when they go because they forgot to do them today because it just hit them you know yeah but I, you, you just spoke about uh, vacating inspections. Is that yeah. when there's a lot of headaches, right? Yeah, so that's when you vacate a property, yep. Okay, another property manager, which uh, I'm not very lucky. <laughs> and and <laughs> I don't think I have the intelligence to do property management. But if, if I can really say this, and this this is real, this is happening live, so it's real. As Stephen was talking, I, I was just thinking, all right, what would I do? And... First thing, property managers, what we need to be having is you must always think solution, not problems. Mm. People will throw you problems. You still think solutions. So these are two of my solutions already in the time that Stephen brought this up. One, we need to have preparation. And what it means is if you're going to do vacating inspection, it's important to let people know a few days ahead of schedule what you're going to be doing the things that you're going to go through and how they can actually help them and and why it is important for them because people believe more in what's in it for them than what's in it for you. So if you say, well, we're going to need this, we're going to need that, we're going to need that, you're not going to get them to work with you. What you you have to do is you're going to have to say, hey, listen, guys, these days a driver's license is important, but when you're a tenant, that is even more important. So let's try and, and let's try and and go through all of this and, and and let me show you what it is. I I know that some property managers can't wait to put their gloves on to walk into a house and do this because that's my number two point. They don't want to work with people. They want to trap people. So property managers, you must change your mindset. You have to want to work with people. Like when I train people, I tell them I don't want to fail you. I want to do everything I can right now so that I don't have to fail you. Mm. So it's the same thing. If I was a property manager, I'd say to them, listen, I'm coming up for the uh, ins- uh, vac- uh, vacating inspections. Here are the list of the things I'm going to be looking at. Mm. Work with me here, right? He- here's the target that we should have as a team, 100% ticked. So can you please go through those points and make sure you do that? Because that will give you a great reputation. Also, anything in in the future that may affect you, whether it is tenancy, lending for a house you're gonna buy, anything, it's it's reputation. Yeah, and and the other, 
they all want their bond back. I mean, and that's the thing, like we're holding a bond and that's probably one of the biggest things, Stephen, isn't it? Like when we go back and we say, oh, look, this isn't... That's taking a hostage. <laughs> <laughs> no, but well, it's, it's the not, reality, it's though. Really. I think the reality is today a lot of tenants claim their bond themselves. Yeah. So that's why, I mean, our, our PMs are certainly beautiful people and definitely not like Thomas just described wanting to trap <laughs> people or, 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 or not be solution orientated. We send out everyone a guide to vacating. Mm. We actually offer pre-vacating inspections as well to make that day a little bit easier. Mm. But, you know, the trouble is when you give your 21 days notice as a tenant, you've got a new place to move into and you've got to do this and you've got to do that. And you, you just move on to that stage. So it's, you can offer a lot of those, but you've got to have, I mean, it's like, you know, market value is a willing buyer and a willing seller. If you don't have someone on the other end willing to take the solutions that you're going to offer to someone, they're still not going to happen. And you've still got to deal with that staff member. You've still got to pick them back up and move them around to the next one. Yeah. Um, and I and I can't help it. And I can't help but think, while you're talking, I'm thinking, what did, what you're saying is that I did not build a relationship with that tenant. What I do is I rent it out and see you later, sayonara, hasta la vista, see you, baby. And then I wait until you're out to really go through the process. No. What about in three within three months? Hey, guys, within a, a, a week or two, hey, guys, how was your move in? How do you feel? What about in three months? Guys, how are you enjoying it? Within six months, I mean, what are we doing? If we don't build a relationship, if we don't put the jelly bean in, we can't take it out. I, I get it. And I can see already property manager is going to go, this guy, that's why he's not in property management because he does not understand. We've got so much work already. But here's the, 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 the thing. Maybe 80% of your problems will disappear because you spend it in the right place. Mm. Uh, look, they're, they're good points. I think it's just a hard thing with you. You're dealing with humans, you know. So, I mean, but it is true. I mean, we go and see our tenants three months after they move in, and we do a, a an inspection. And some tenants, you, you can say, "How's it been? What's it like living here?" You know, are there any problems? And you've got the other tenant who basically says, "I'm walking outside. Um, you, you do your own thing. I, I don't want to be here." Or the one who says, "Pick the key up." I use the key. I won't even be there. Mm. You know, so it's some, um, and you know what, the ones that are the good ones along the way that you have built the rapport, it's true what Thomas says, they're probably your best vacatings. The ones <laughs> who didn't want to know you, but you can't make people want to know you. You can't, you know, we have our tenants of the month, mm -hmm. you know, in our offices. But you know what, there's some people who don't, who do, who make a point of saying, I love that idea. There's other people who make a point of saying, never nominate me for tenant of the month. I understand that. But here's the exercise for your property managers. Try and find out. Tell me on every one of my tenants, who's got the desire to gain and the pleasure to gain and who's got the avoidance of pain. Because those who've got the avoidance of pain, I will give them that. So then they go, oh, geez, okay. I, I don't want the tenant of the, 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 the year, but Jesus, but I don't want that sticker. Yeah. Uh, so once you know it, you have to give people what they want. Mm. I mean, I'm, I'm a slow kind of driver, so give me a fast car. I'm not gonna like it. You, you, you <laughs> give me That's a slow. Car. This, <laughs> so 
you, you, it's, it's, it's just where we moved to fairy tales, was it? Yeah. <laughs> you have to know what interests me. Mm. All right. Mm. Okay. So, um, well, we only have a few minutes left. So why don't we just close this here now? So, and I will let our guest close today. Is it if it's okay with you, Louise? Oh. <laughs> He's really doing, awesome. He's doing a good job. He's doing a good job. Yeah. So I, I think that we've covered. No, no, you're going to close. You're going to close. It means you last. We're going to start first. Okay, no worries. That's good. Okay, so <laughs> I'll start first. I'll start first. I think there's there's a lot of things that are not easy. We probably only have covered a few of the things that you need. What, what you need is to put your ego aside and say to yourself, I'm going to learn from someone who knows. And then you will see your improvement. The problem comes when you think that you know more than anybody else when you've just been in there for a year or two years or three years. Mm. What happened is you will then be forced to reinvent the wheel rather than use the wheel. Mm. Mm. Yep. Chris? Uh, mine was going to be be aware of yourself just be a lot more aware of what you're doing throughout the day in all the aspects of your job if you're getting sidetracked and distracted be aware of it bring yourself back on track if you're celebrating for too long or you the damps too long be aware of it so you can bring yourself back just be more self-aware mm -hmm. i think also start keeping a journal to that awareness awareness journal writing it down and revisiting that in the morning so you can say okay yeah i'm doing that a bit more or i'm now i've seen them doing it a bit less might help fix it mm, mm. um for me for those out there in real estate when i started i was told real estate is pretty simple it's people and numbers and you know what at the end of the day that's what it is and that's the easy part is the people and the numbers the hard part i found was for me keeping check of my emotions and where I went when things went right and when things went wrong and that's the hard part um, you know we are dealing with people's biggest assets and and we don't take that lightly um, and so you know as I said earlier if you've done the best you can with what you've got you've done all you can but if you knew at the end of the day when you go home and you put your head on that pillow and you think you could have done something better well you probably could have so tomorrow you have an opportunity to improve and that's all you can do and to sum it up, there were way more than five. We could only get through five. We could have probably had 25. But the things I will say to someone is if you're thinking of a career in real estate, A, be careful of where you go to because there are a lot of bad agents out there who will chew you up, suck you out and kick you out the door. B, look at the culture and the integrity of the office that you're going to because these days we all know when we run an interview, really we're getting interviewed. So, you know, look at that. Don't go where is easier. It might be harder to get somewhere. But again, look at the reputation. In fact, do what we said. Go and talk to a couple of the sellers or clients. Ask the person you're interviewing with, have you got some staff that I could talk to? And see, remember that if you join the right team, you're never on your own. There's always someone out there, whether it's a leader, another person, someone in another office, another group, whatever it might be, there's always someone out there to help you. Like Thomas said, most of this is tried and tested. We don't need to learn to ride a, a horse all over again. There's a book out there of how to do it. Learn from someone else's mistakes and do it. 
So mm. thanks for an invite today. I'm hopefully you'll have Cam back next week and um, I won't be here. So enjoy everyone. Thanks for coming along and thanks for watching. Well, thanks for having thanks probably, for You'll probably be asked to come back, uh, Stephen, because I won't be uh, here next week. Oh, okay. I hope you enjoyed it and you're going to have to spend more on your wine because... Yeah, your wine was not that good. No. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks, Cam Lewang. <laughs> thanks very much, team. See ya. Bye. 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 Bye.